0: Welcome to the Rick Reed Sermon Podcast. Rick serves as the president of Heritage College and Seminary, where he has the joy of preaching God's Word and training the next generation of preachers. The sermons on this podcast are taken from Dr. Reed's preaching ministry in churches, conferences, and at chapel services at Heritage. I'd like to also wish each of you a very happy Thanksgiving. Uh, This is a wonderful, wonderful season of year. It's a season that actually just reminds us to do what, as Christians, we are supposed to be doing all the time, and that is to be thankful, to give thanks. Thanksgiving and gratitude are to be an essential part of the life of every single follower of Christ, and not just for one weekend a year, right? It's supposed to be part of our lives day in, day out. In the good times, but also especially in the hard times, we still give thanks. And on this Thanksgiving Sunday, we are actually in the middle of a series that focuses on another quality that we're supposed to have all year round. And I'm speaking there of the quality of courage. Courage. We're in a series now called Becoming a Courageous Christian. Courage, like gratitude, is something that we need all year long, not just once A while or once a weekend, but something we need all the time in the good times, but especially in the hard times. So we're thinking about how to become more courageous people. The deal is, though, that most of us here would say, just like I'm not as grateful as I should be, many of us here would say, I'm also not as courageous as I should be. I would like to become more of a courageous person in life, and I would like to become more of a courageous follower of Christ. Many of us would say, look, I I don't want fear to hold me back from following Christ faithfully. I don't want fear to hold me back, And, and I don't want my shortcomings to stop me from serving Christ in the areas He's given me to do. I want to fulfill the assignments of life He's given me. I don't want my own failures and my own past. I don't want that to just kind of stop me. And I don't want shame to silence me from speaking about Christ. I would like to be a more courageous Christian. But the question many of us have is, well, how do you get there? How do you become a more courageous Christian? How is courage strengthened in the life of a follower of Christ? And that's the question we're seeking to answer in this series. How do you become more courageous? To find an answer, we've been spending some time in a little book in the New Testament that is especially designed to foster and strengthen courage. The little book of 2 Timothy. This letter, we call it a book, but really it was a letter, was written by the Apostle Paul to his young son in the faith, Timothy. And Paul wrote it to encourage courage in Timothy's life. And what Paul wrote to Timothy can be this huge boost to you and to me. It can show us, what does it look like to grow in courage? And that's what we're seeking to do. Today, we're going to discover, as we continue in 2 Timothy, we're going to discover in a section of 2 Timothy, how courage is strengthened. Like you might say, well, I do feel God has given me some courage, But man, it could be a lot stronger. Today in the passage we're going to look at, we will see how courage is actually developed, how it's strengthened. We'll see that God has a huge part. He does the heavy lifting, but we're going to see that you have a part. I have a part if you want courage to be a stronger quality in your life. Today we're going to talk about the courage to be strong. So I'm going to invite you to take a Bible once again and join me in the book of 2 Timothy. Today we'll be in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Verses 1 through 13, 2 Timothy chapter 2, 1 to 13. And uh, if you need a Bible, if you don't have your own copy of God's Word, uh, please use one of the ones that we have here at the Met. Uh, here in the sanctuary, they're in uh, racks in front of you, a blue Bible, and at the Fellowship Center, we have Bibles over there for you at the 1050. And in the blue Bibles, it's page 842, 842. So please open up. I'd like everybody to have a chance to look at this, to see it for yourself and to look at what God's word has to say to us today in the area of the courage to be strong. But before I talk to you about that, I always like to ask the Lord for strength for me and for us. So please let me pray for us, and then we'll look at the scriptures together. Father, on this Thanksgiving Sunday, we are very, very thankful for the many ways that you have strengthened us for the challenges we face in life. Lord, we can give testimony that you have brought us through situations that In and of ourselves, we know we could not have made it through. And you have been our strength. But Lord, on this Thanksgiving Sunday, we also acknowledge that we have a need for more strength. We need to be strengthened. And I'm asking today that as we open your word, you will show us how you plan to do that in us and through us. I pray once again, Lord, that I would be faithful to the heart and the truth of your word, and that we would be those who receive it gladly and personally. So strengthen us today in your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. And right off the bat in chapter 2, in verse 1, Paul begins by summarizing what he's already told Timothy back in chapter 1. So verse 1 of chapter 2 is kind of a great summary of the the major truth that we were supposed to learn in chapter 1. Listen to what Paul writes. Chapter 2, verse 1, he says, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Paul is telling Timothy something that that God is really telling each of us here today. He's telling us how courage gets strengthened, how it becomes strong. And what he's telling us there in verse 1 is this courage is strengthened, courage is strengthened as we rely on God's grace as we rely on God's grace. If you want more courage, he's saying lean harder onto the grace of God because courage is strengthened as you rely on God's grace. Paul begins verse one with kind of a fatherly tone. He says, you then my son be strong. I love that as a father. I love that because he kind of blends tenderness and toughness says, Hey, you're my son. Listen, be strong. So there's this fatherly call to strength. And then Paul makes it clear where Timothy can get that strength. Did you see it? You then, my son, be strong in the grace. Be strong in grace. He's saying to Timothy, hey, Timothy, do you want strength? And by the way, when he says be strong, he's really saying be courageous. Think about it. When you're strong, you're having to be courageous. C.S. Lewis said that courage is not just one of the virtues. Courage is the form of every virtue at the point of testing. So strength is really courage when it's tested. And and Paul is saying, Timothy, I want you to be strong, and here's where you're going to get the strength, the courageous strength you need. You're going to get it from God's grace. It is a gift. See the word grace in the New Testament. The word grace speaks of a gift. It speaks of an undeserved gift, undeserved favor, In other words, strength, courageous strength comes as a gift from God. Do you need it? Well, he's willing to give it. That's really what uh, we saw back in chapter one. In fact, look back at chapter one and verse seven. This is kind of the theme verse for our whole series. Says much the same thing. Chapter one, verse seven, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but implied God gave us a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. See, God gives, not a spirit of timidity, God gives the components of courage. He gives power, and love, and self-discipline. It comes as a gift. It comes as a gift of grace. So when you go back to chapter 2, verse 1, Paul is reviewing that, and he's saying, remember, Timothy, remember where your strength comes from. You have to rely on the grace of God. It is a gift. In fact, there's another way that Paul heightens the fact that courage is given to us. You see the phrase there, you then, my son, be strong. See in your Bibles where it says, be strong, command. You could literally translate that, be strengthened. You then, my son, be strengthened. Paul uses a verb in the passive voice. Now that may not mean a lot to you, but if you're a grammarian, you might know that the passive voice of a verb is different than the active voice of a verb. A passive voice emphasizes that the action of the verb is received by the person, not produced by the person. So here when Paul is saying, be strong, he's really saying, Timothy, hey, be strengthened. Receive strength, not just produce strength. In other words, he's saying, Timothy, you can't manufacture this. You're going to need courage. You're going to need strength. And you have to be strengthened. You have to receive it. It comes as a gift of God's grace. You say, okay, okay, so courage is something that comes from God's grace. We have to rely on it. How do we get it? You know, if I want to receive it, where do I find this grace that will make me strong and courageous? We'll look at chapter 2, verse 1 at the end. You'll see. Here's where the grace comes from. Be strong, be strengthened in the grace. Now, look what comes next. That is in Christ Jesus. okay. So if you want this grace that will make you courageously strong, you get it in Christ Jesus. The little phrase there, in Christ, that's Paul's shorthand for in relationship with Christ. When Paul, says talk, when Paul talks about being in Christ, he means in relationship with Christ. So put it all together. You want strength? You say, yeah, I need that. You want courage? Yeah, I need that. Well, God gives it to you, but he only gives it to you in Christ. You have to be in Christ. You have to be in a relationship with Christ to receive the grace that will make you strong. Let me tell you about a man who understood this concept. In the former generation, there was a Bible teacher by the name of Watchman Nee, a Chinese man, and he wrote a book. It's, I, I would commend this book to you. It's called The Normal Christian Life. Very good book. And Watchman Nee tells of a time when he was visiting an American couple And uh, they confided to him that they were just like pulling out their hair with their kids. They said, man, we feel so bad. Our kids are driving us crazy and we find ourselves losing it. We shout at the kids. We scream at the kids. And we can't seem to control ourselves with our kids. So, Brother Nee, will you pray that God would give us patience? And Watchman Nee said, I will most certainly not pray that God would give you patience. And they were taken back by that. They said, well, why wouldn't you pray that? And he said this, because it's not patience you need, it's Christ you need. Now, they were Christians, but he said, it's not patience you need, you have need of Christ. And then he went on to say something. I want to I read what Watchman Nee said to them. Listen to this. Watchman Nee said this, God will not give me humility or patience or holiness, or we could add courage. God will not give me humility, patience, holiness, as separate gifts of his grace. He is not a retailer dispensing grace to us in packets, measuring out some patience to the impatient, some love to the unloving, some meekness to the proud in quantities that we take and work on as a kind of capital. He has only given one gift to meet all of our needs. His Son, Christ Jesus. As I look to him to live out his life in me, he will make me humble and patient and loving and everything else I need in my stead. You see what he's saying? He's saying, look, do you need more courage? Do you need more patience? Do you need more humility? That all comes to you in Christ. God doesn't just give, dole it out like little packets, little packet of courage, little packet of, of grace here. He gives you grace by giving you Christ. And as Christ comes to be your life, he lives out his courage through you. That's why courage comes from grace in Christ Jesus. He needs to be your courage. He lives out your courage. So what that means, practically speaking, is this. You want more courage in your life? Then you need to be in Christ for your salvation. That comes through trusting Jesus as your Savior. And then you need to abide in Christ as your strength. You need to rely on him, lean on him. When the the pressure comes, you lean into him and you say, Jesus, you are my strength. Would you show your courage through me right now in this specific situation? And God gives courage as we rely on his grace. Now that's God's part to strengthen courage. He gives it to you. You don't manufacture it. You rely and you receive it. But Paul goes on in our text to say, when he gives you this courage, He wants you to use it. In fact, if you look with me at verse 2, you see why he gives you the courage. It's so that you can do what he's called you to do. Look at verse 2. Paul first says, Be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus, and the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, the reason I want you to be strengthened is so that you can do what God has told you to do. Now, in Timothy's case, his assignment was to take the teaching that Paul had given him and to pass it on to faithful people. When it says faithful men there, the word is anthropos, which means humans, men and women. So pass it on to faithful people who will be able to pass it on to others. See, really the fundamental assignment Timothy had was to disciple People who could make disciples of other people. He was to take the message, give it to faithful people who could pass it on to others. By the way, that's really the fundamental assignment that God gives every Christian in some level. He wants you to take what he's given you in his truth and to pass it on to others. If you're a parent, that's where you're supposed to start. You've got this little tribe that you're supposed to raise up, you teach it to them, and the goal is that someday they'll grow up and they can pass it on to others. And when that happens, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. I've got to tell you, uh, uh, a highlight of my day yesterday, I was performing a wedding here for the Mailey family, uh, and the Carrente family. And uh, right before the wedding, I uh, was going to my office, and I was cutting through the prayer room, which is we have a little prayer room over here. And there was Samuel Mailey and his four groomsmen. They were sitting there. So here are these five guys, all young adult guys. And I walked in, and I look and they're all huddled up, and they're praying for Samuel. And so I just thought, this is too good to miss. So I slipped in and I sat down and I heard one after another, these guys just praying for their friend and Samuel thanking God for his buddies. And I thought, look, nobody, no parents are around saying, you know, you boys, you ought to pray. This is your wedding day. So let's get together and pray. They just decided to huddle up and pray. And I thought to myself, somebody has passed on to these boys This is what life is about. You're trusting in God. You're going to be married today. You're going to need courage and grace and patience and love. So you're going to rely on God. Somebody would pass it on to those guys and they're going to carry it. And I believe they're going to pass it on to their kids. That's what Christians are supposed to do. And if you're a Christian, you start with your family, but then you pass it on within the family of God. Some of you will be teachers and mentors. And some of you have had solid marriages for years And God wants you to take under your wing a couple that's younger or who's going through a rough time and to pass on what he's given to you. So he gives you courage, not just so that you can be courageous, but so that you can use it. That's God's part. He wants you to rely on him. He gives it to you. Now, you want to get that stronger, the courage he gives you? Paul goes on now in the rest of our passage, verses 3 through 13, to tell you your part. God gives it to you, that's his part, but now your part to develop and deepen and strengthen the courage comes out in verses 3 through verse 13. And Paul essentially says to Timothy, hey, Timothy, there are two major things you can do to strengthen courage. And this morning, I want to show you those. Now, this is our part. This is what we can do. We lean on him to receive it, but now we have to develop it and use it. So let me show you what we have to do to strengthen courage. First one comes out in verses 3 through 10. In verses 3 through 10, Paul tells Timothy and he tells us this. Yes, courage is strengthened as we rely on God's grace. But now he says this. Courage is strengthened as we reflect on courageous people. Like, do you want to develop more courage in your life that God's given it to you? Do you want to strengthen it? Then reflect on courageous people. Here's one thing you can do. You can reflect, you can think about courageous people and that will help strengthen the courage God gives you. Let me show you how Paul develops that. Look at verse three, please. I'll read from verses three through 10. Paul says, endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. In those, in those uh, verses, Paul gives Timothy four portraits, or profiles in courage. It's almost like he says, hey, Timothy, you want to strengthen your courage? I want you to do some thinking. Let me give you some people that you should think about. In fact, did you catch verse 7 where he says that? Reflect on what I am saying. Think about this. And Paul gives Timothy four profiles of courageous people and says, reflect on them. So here's what I'd like us to do in the next few minutes. I'm going to walk you through each of the four profiles. And we're going to see the person that he highlights and what the person does, the action, and then their motivation. And then we're going to reflect on it. What can we learn that will strengthen courage in us from these four profiles of courage? Let's do the first one, verses three and four. First profile of courage is a soldier. He says, hey, Timothy, think about a soldier. And what does a soldier do? We'll look at it, verse three. He says, endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. So, uh, soldier, what does the soldier do? The action? Endures hardship. Keeps a wartime mentality. Doesn't live like a civilian. He understands he's a soldier. And why does a soldier do it? Well, it says in verse 4, he wants to please... His commanding officer. Now, let's think about that. How is that supposed to help us be more courageous? Well, think about a soldier. A soldier endures hardship. Paul is saying that's the way a Christian, a courageous Christian is going to need to be. You're going to you're gonna have to be enduring hardship. So one of the insights I draw from that picture is that courage looks a lot like endurance. When you think of courage, you can think of some lofty thing, but sometimes it's just being enduring. It's just putting up with hardship like a soldier does. And it's doing that, staying focused, not having a civilian mentality, but a, you know, looking at the world as a, as a battleground, not as a playground. So it's kind of saying, okay, Lord, I want to do this. And the motivation is to please the leader, please the commanding officer. So you want to be more courageous? Think about a soldier who's enduring hardship because they want to please their leader. Great picture of wanting to please the leader shows up in the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 23. Really fascinating little passage. It talks about David and his mighty men. David and his mighty men, he had like 30 some odd mighty men. And it lists them and it tells their exploits. And one little vignette it tells us is about David's top three mighty men. A guy named Josheb and then a guy named Eleazar, and a guy named Shammah. And it tells of a time when David, with these three mighty men, is in a cave, the cave of adullam And David says out loud, he's the commanding officer, he says, man, what I wouldn't give for a drink of water drawn from the well at the gate of Bethlehem. See, David grew up in Bethlehem, and evidently there was a well by the gate, and he had fond memories of drinking that cool water from the well. He's in a cave, And he says to his guys, man, I'd sure love some of the water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. Well, the problem was is that the Philistines had overrun the land and they controlled that whole area. So it was a, you know, it was a battleground. So David's three mighty guys, Josheb, Eleazar, and Shammah, they leave the cave and they fight their way through enemy lines to the well by the gate, and they draw some water, and then they fight their way back. Can you picture arrows flying, these guys running and dodging, and they come back to the cave, and they go, David, here is some water from the well that you talked about. Now, let me ask you, why did those guys risk their necks to do that? To please their commanding officer, right? You know what David did with the water, the Bible tells us? He poured it out on the ground, If I see those guys that go, wait a second, David, I just risked my neck to get that water. But then David said this, I will not drink the blood of my men. You risked your lives for this. I will pour this out as an offering to the Lord. Here were men who were willing to die to get David to drink. Now, here's, here's the analogy for us. You want more courage in your life? David says, hey, Timothy, think about a soldier. Think about how the hardship they endure just to please a human commanding officer. And then, Timothy, remember this you are a soldier of Christ, and your commanding officer is worthy of all of your love and all of your loyalty. And when you think about that, that will help strengthen your courage. So that's our first profile. Second profile, found in verse 5, is that of an athlete. Look at verse 5. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, He does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. So, profile is of the athlete. Action, well, they follow the rules, competes according to the rules. And the motivation, well, they want to receive the victor's crown. So, what insights are we supposed to gain from that that can make us more courageous? Well, you should do some thinking on it, but here's what I came when I thought about it. One thing is that courage looks a lot like integrity. Because an athlete, if an athlete is going to win the crowd, they have to compete according to the rules. They have to be a, a man or a woman of integrity. They can't cut corners. They can't fudge. Even if other people are, if they're going to go for the crown, they have to follow the rules. They have to compete according to the game. So what's the, what's the application for us? Listen, if you're going to be a courageous Christian, you're going to have to have integrity. Integrity. You're going to have to live with integrity because even if other people aren't, you're living for the prize. And you don't win the prize, it says, unless you compete according to the rules. Now, that's true in athletics, and that's true in ministry. In athletics, you don't compete according to the rules, you get disqualified. Think of uh, Ben Johnson, stripped of his gold medal. Think of uh, Reggie Bush having to give back the Heisman Trophy. Or here's one. This past summer, I, I told some of you that we went down to Cooperstown, New York, where they have the Baseball Hall of Fame. There is one man who is conspicuously absent from the Hall of Fame who, according to his numbers, should be there. And that's Pete Rose. You know the story of Pete Rose? I mean, the guy is at the top of the charts when it comes to his achievements, He has the most hits of any ballplayer who's ever played. He played more games than any ballplayer who's ever played. 17 different years, he was an all-star. He won World Series. He was the World Series MVP, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. And you know why? Because he broke the rules. He bet on baseball. And even though he was talented and gifted and dedicated, he did not receive the prize because he didn't compete with integrity. Now, what's true of an athlete, Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, you've got to get this. If you want courageous strength, you need to remember that it's going to look like integrity because if you lose your integrity, you lose your ministry and you lose your rewards. Hey, I can tell you of many, many very gifted men and women, Christian men and women, who who God gave them more talents than you and I will ever have. And some of them are on the sideline today because they gave up their integrity and they lost their ministry. And so courage is sometimes just sticking with it and saying, I'm not going to go against what God says not to do. That's a courageous move. And as you think about that, Paul says that will help inspire courage into you. Well, there's a third picture. Third picture comes out in verse six. You see it? The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. So the picture here is that of a farmer, the action is working hard, And the motivation is to receive or to enjoy the harvest. So, Timothy, think about that. What are you supposed to learn from that? Well, just like a farmer has to work hard, he's saying this. Hey, courageous strength sometimes just looks like hard work. You want to be a courageous person? Sometimes it just means sticking at it, working hard. Not a lot of applause going on for the farmer. He's just out there day in and day out my wife, Linda, grew up on a farm. Uh, her dad, for many years, had a dairy farm. And so when we first, when we first got married, here I was, a boy from the suburbs, gotten to come to the farm. In fact, get this, when I went up to get married, uh, they happened to be bringing in the hay. So it was like, even though it was the day before the wedding, they kind of roused me up and they said, hey, uh, sorry, we, we kind of need you in the field. So I was out there bucking bales of hay with everybody else Only they could tell I didn't know what I was doing. They seemed to be able to do this clean and jerk thing, and they're throwing bales up, and I was (laughs) struggling trying not to get hurt the day before my wedding. So uh, those folks work hard, and Linda's father worked hard, milking early in the morning, milking in the afternoon, and then harvesting and working throughout. Sometimes courage is a lot of hard work. Sometimes it's just, it's just showing up and saying, okay, God, nothing, it doesn't seem like anyone's applauding. I don't see a whole lot of harvest yet. I'm just going to stay at it. He's saying, Timothy, that's what courage looks like. And what's the motivation? You hang on to the hope of the harvest. Listen to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. Galatians 6, 9 says this, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. So you want to be more courageous? He says, think about a farmer, hardworking farmer. And that will remind you that God wants you to stick at it. So, what's our pictures? We've got a soldier, we've got an athlete, we've got a farmer. But there's a fourth profile. Comes out in verses eight to ten. Look with me at verses eight to ten. And you'll see the fourth profile is actually Paul himself. Verse 8: Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal, but God's word is not chained, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Fourth profile doesn't come from everyday life. It comes from a servant of Christ, Paul. What's his action? Suffers as a criminal. Paul's writing this from a jail. He says he's in chains. And that could be figuratively that he was in prison, or it could be literally that he was manacled. He was chained between Roman soldiers. Paul's maybe writing this while his hands are in chains. And he's saying, hey, Timothy, just remember me. I'm suffering like a criminal. We say, well, Paul, why are you doing that? What's your motivation? He says there at the end of verses 9 and 10, isn't it? He says, verse 10, I endure everything for the sake of the elect. That means those God has chosen that they may obtain the salvation that is in Jesus Christ. Paul says, you know why I'm doing this? Because I want others to receive God's salvation. It's interesting, by the way, if you struggle with the doctrine of election and you wonder what's with that, like did God choose some people? And so then it's like all over. Well, here Paul says, God has chosen some. There are some who are the elect, but Paul then says, and that's why I've got to get out the message so that they can hear the message and believe. For there is a mysterious but wonderful union between God's choice and our reception of that through faith. And Paul says, I'm willing to suffer for that. So there's a, fourth, there's a fourth insight. We say, you know what? Sometimes courage looks like suffering. Suffering for the good of others. Suffering to say, I am willing to kind of take a shot so that others might get a shot at salvation. That they might hear the message. Now, here's here's the point of all of that. Would you like to develop more courage in your life? Paul is saying one thing you can do to strengthen that is to reflect on courageous people. So here's a very practical application for all of us. You know what you and I should do? We should read more biographies of courageous people, of courageous Christians. I can tell you that one of the ways my faith has been most strengthened over the years is by reading biographies of courageous Christians. I remember when I read the story of George Mueller who started the orphanage, was feeding 2,000 children a day. And I read his story and there was something inside of me that just was was livened livened up. And I thought, that's what I would like to be. I'd like to have that kind of courageous faith. And then I remember reading about D.L. Moody. And I thought, Lord, give me the courage to speak for you like Moody did. And I read the story recently of George Whitfield. Oh, I thought, Lord, here was a man who persevered through illness. He didn't feel well a lot of his life, but he stayed at it. Help me to be like that. And and recently I read the biography of Tom Carter or Tom Carson. I mentioned Don Carson, his son wrote a book about him. I was fired up by that. My wife, Linda, would tell you that she's read the biography of Amy Carmichael or Rosalind Goforth. These biographies can just strengthen your soul. So here's my advice. Read less novels and more biographies. Seriously, I mean that. Read less novels and more biographies. Read less fiction, because it's all fabricated, and read more nonfiction. Read about people who did this thing. Read about the Pauls in your generation, and the farmers, and the soldiers, and the athletes, because it will inspire you to greater courage. It's one thing you can do. But there's a second thing you can do if you want to strengthen courage, and it comes out in our last three verses, verses 11, 12, and 13. Let me read those for you. Verses 11, 12, and 13. Paul says this, Here is a trustworthy saying, If we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful for he cannot disown himself. You want a second thing you can do to help strengthen courage that God gives? Not only reflect on courageous people, but remember trustworthy sayings. Remember trustworthy sayings. Actually keep in your mind and remember and rehearse trustworthy sayings. That's what Paul calls these in verse 11. Do you see it? Here is a trustworthy saying. And then he goes on to give us four trustworthy saints. We, we already saw four courageous people, and now we're going to get four trustworthy sayings. Do you see how in your Bible they're kind of indented a little differently than the rest of the text? Probably because the, the uh, editors of the NIV or whatever translation you are using are trying to say to you, this probably was a bit of an old hymn, an ancient Christian hymn, something they sang or something they repeated together. When I was reading these, they almost struck me like something you would put on a poster. You know, like if you want to inspire courage, these would be like posters you could make. Four posters. You've probably seen those motivational posters. They hang often in businesses or in workplaces, and they'll have a you know courage, and then they'll have a saying on it. I was looking at some of those posters this week on courage. Uh, one of them had a picture of this road going straight up a hill in a desert, and it said. Courage. Courage is moving forward on the path of most resistance. I thought that's not bad. That's courage. And then they had some posters with firefighters standing in front of this inferno and essentially was saying, you know, courage is going in when other people are running away. But then they had some ones that I thought were more questionable. They had this one poster on courage that showed this hang glider. So he's just hanging on for dear life somewhere way up in the stratosphere and it said, it said, "Only those who risk going too far will know how far it's possible to go." And I thought, and I thought, I don't know if that's courage or stupidity. You know, uh, <laughs> like risk going too far. Okay, I'll just jump off the mountain on this kite here just to be courageous. Well, I don't know if that's trustworthy. So I this morning want to show you four satans. You can put on your, you can put on a poster because these are trustworthy sayings. Let me show you them one at a time. Here's the first one. If we died with him, we will also live with him. Paul says, you can count on that one. You died with him. Paul uses the word died there in what's called the aorist tense, which speaks of a completed action. So it's probably something that already happened. We died with him. Well, when did you die with Christ? Well, you died with Christ when you believed in him. The Bible says when you trust in Christ, his death is counted as your death. And it's like you died to your old life, right? And what happens next? Well, you are raised to a new life, and he becomes your life. That's what it means to be a Christian. You become in Christ. You die to your old life through trusting in him and his death for you, and you rise to a new life, and he lives in you. That's a trustworthy saying, and when you remember that, it will help you have courage because you think, okay, Christ lives in me, and he can be my courage. He can be my strength. Okay, that's our first trustworthy saying. Look at the number two. Verse 12, if we endure, we will also reign with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Here's another trustworthy saying. So if you endure, if you endure hardship, you keep showing up, you keep doing the hard work, you keep relying on him. He's saying, you can count on this one day, you will reign with him. The Bible's very clear. At any moment, Jesus Christ could return. We live with a sense of eminency. And when he comes... He's going to establish his kingdom. He will reign forever and ever. Like the uh, hallelujah chorus says in the Messiah, right? The kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. Hallelujah. And when he comes to reign, if you've been enduring with him on earth, you will reign with him forever. Does that inspire any courage in you? It doesn't mean because I think, okay, okay. So right now it's kind of tough going. But Lord, help me to stay at it because I know that what's coming next is something I really want to get in on. That's a trustworthy saying. How about the third one? This one's a little more sobering, isn't it? Look at it at the end of verse 12. If we disown him, he will also disown us. Would you put that one on your poster? If we disown him, He will disown us. Well, what's that about? Well, it's really an echo of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10. Listen to this, Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33. Jesus said these words, Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will also disown him before my Father in heaven. Hey, the harsh reality is this. If you say to Jesus, I don't want you, then there will come a day when he says, then I disown you. In fact, the Bible's quite clear. If you have genuine faith, you will persevere in that faith. In fact, in chapter 10 of Matthew, verse 22, Jesus says, all who stand firm to the end will be saved. Literally, all who endure to the end will be saved. Here's the deal. When you have the life of Christ in you, it's not going to go away. There will be this tenacity And you will say, I will not disown my Savior. Because it's a trustworthy saying. If you disown him, he will disown you. How does that inspire courage? Well, it makes you sit up straight, doesn't it? It makes you say, I don't want to go there. I do not want to do that. Now, you may be hearing that and going, but wait a second. Maybe I've already done that. I mean, there are times like when I haven't really owned up to my faith in Christ. So am I going to be disowned? Well, that takes me to the fourth faithful saying. Look at how it ends. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and look at verse 13. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. There's several different ways to interpret that. I think the, the most helpful way and actually the, the, the most accurate way would be to say this. There are times when even those who are true to Christ will stumble, and they will be faithless. Think of Peter. Was Peter a genuine follower of Jesus? What do you think? I'd say yes, right? Did Peter deny Christ? Well, he did, didn't he? The night that Jesus was arrested, remember that? Three times, Peter says, I don't even know him. I don't know who you're talking about. I'm not the guy. I'm not with him. And then he calls down curses on himself. You know, he like swears. And says, this is, so Peter, are you going to be disowned forever? You remember after the resurrection, Jesus came looking for Peter, right? And there on the shores of Lake Galilee, Jesus looked at Peter three times and says, Peter, Do you love me? And Peter seems to kind of waffle a little bit in his word choice and kind of essentially says, Lord, I I, I do, you're my friend. And and Jesus hammers on him three times. The third time, Peter says, he was grieved in his heart. And he says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. So why is Jesus going back three times to Peter saying, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Why is he doing that? Because three times Peter said, I don't know you, I don't know you, I don't know you. And what is Jesus doing? He's restoring him. Peter was faithless for a moment. He stumbled and he fell. And Jesus is picking him up and saying, now, Peter, I've got a job for you to do. Shepherd my sheep, feed them. You see, there will be moments when a true Christian stumbles and fall. But even when we are faithless, he will remain faithful for he cannot disown himself. And you can put that one on your poster and hang on to that and say, Lord, I don't want to stumble and fall, but I'm so thankful that you are more faithful than I am. For you do not disown yourself. You see, when you start thinking about truth from Scripture, when those faithful sayings are part of your life, they will help strengthen your courage. Because the courage comes as a gift from God. It's a gift of grace. But then as you remember courageous people, it inspires you to kind of step up. And then when you remember trustworthy sayings, things that are true that you can count on, it helps you find courage and finds that courage growing, strengthening further on. So here's my challenge for you this week. Will you actively begin your day by saying, Jesus, be my courage? Like, I, I want to be in Christ. I, I need you to be, live out your courage through me. And then we'll th- will you go through this week reflecting on at least one profile of courage? Pick one of those four. Pick someone else. Get, get a book of biographies of Christians. Here's a great one, a book by Warren Wiersbe called 50 People Every Christian Should Know. Warren Wiersbe, 50, Christians, 50 People Every Christian Should Know. We have it in our library, but it's checked out. I went in to look at it this morning, and she said, this book is always checked out. I said, that is a good sign. But go buy yourself that. It, it, you read those biographies, they're 10 pages each, and you will be fired up in your faith. So will you pick at least one to reflect on? And then will you pick one of those four trustworthy sayings and put it on a three by five card or put it on your screensaver and just let your mind go back to it again and again and say, God, you've given me courage. Now I want to see it strengthened. If you do that, you will have another reason to be thankful this Thanksgiving you will be able to be thankful that God is making you a more courageous Christian. So ask him to be your strength. Reflect on a courageous person and rehearse a trustworthy saying. And be thankful he's going to make you more courageous. Why don't you take a moment and just talk to the Lord? I'm going to invite our worship team to come. We'll sing a final song. But why don't you take a moment and invite the Lord to strengthen you by his grace and to help you this week to move more and more into his courage. Let's each do that. Father, this morning as we leave this place, I ask that you would indeed let strength rise in us. As we lean on you, as we receive the strength that Jesus brings, and then strengthen it through some of the ways you've called us to do, Lord, may we literally rise. The challenges that seem too heavy for us give us strength to stand up straight. The roads that seem too steep for us, give us strength, Lord, to walk on. Step at a time. Let strength rise. Be our strength. We ask this in the name of Jesus, the Mighty One. Amen. Amen. God bless. For more information on Heritage College and Seminary, visit the school's website at discoverheritage.ca. To stay connected with the Reeds, visit their website at rickandlindareed.com.